0: Hello and welcome to another edition of The More, The Merrier. I'm Donna G here with you till two o'clock. On the second half of the show, I will be featuring a few tracks of Cuban music for you. But the first half is all about Carnival, all about the Toronto Carnival and the winningest Queen Ever, Joella Crichton. She is the focus of the new documentary Becoming a Queen by Chris Strikes. I don't want to waste any time so let's get to it with the trailer from Becoming a Queen and then I'll go right into my interview with Joella and Chris. Thank you so much for listening.
1: She is a carnival queen.
2: One of the premium mask players in any country.
3: And we're meeting the queen of queens right now, Joella Crichton.
1: Carnival, for me, is an opportunity to be free and express myself creatively.
2: Carnival is an expression of my ego
1: representing specific bands will compete against each other to be crowned the king or the queen.
2: The king and queen really is the ultimate. People
1: see it as the Olympics of Caribbean culture. And I won it for the seventh time in a row. That's nine times winning.
2: Nobody has done what she has done.
1: It's really, really difficult to do what she's done. And I don't think people really get how much of a feat that is.
2: This year's costume is called Harmony. The inspiration comes from the theme of the band, which is love.
1: Hopefully it's a winner, guys. Two people vying for Queen of this year's Toronto Carnival. We've got the seven-time reigning champ and the challenger over here.
2: Should Joella win this year, this would be her 10th winning performance. Nobody in the history of Toronto Carnival has won 10 queens.
1: If I don't win, I'm done. I already promised that to you. The decision was made that this would be her last time playing Queen it'll be the last time Joel's doing it, it'll be my last, two, and it'll be all cute, sister, sister. As I begin to win more, I feel unwelcomed. It was really clear that I need to leave because this is not about mass anymore.
2: This is rivalry because everybody wants to win. They're coming for you. They're coming.
1: <laughs> I know. This is the big test, eh? Joala has people watching her and paying attention to her. There's a lot of pressure to it. I don't think this is the winning in caution as it stands right now. It does feel like I left a legacy, and I'm happy with it.
0: You're listening to CIUT 89.5 FM. This is Donna G, and joining me for this interview is Joella Crichton. And the film, the documentary of her progress in Carnival, or as old folks like me used to call it, Carabana. Joella has been queen for many, many years. The documentary is a personal and also a family journey, as well as a little bit of the history of Carnevale as well. And Becoming a Queen has been a dream of Joella's for a long time. And she's here to talk about that very fact, Becoming a Queen, the documentary by Chris Strikes. Joella, welcome to The More, The Merrier. Welcome to CIUT.
1: Thank you for having me. That was like such a lovely intro and, and so on point about the film.
0: <laughs> it's, it's a wonderful documentary. It was different than I expected. I didn't expect so much personal. I didn't expect this amazing trio of women made up of yourself, your sister Mishka, and your mother Luanne. It's a wonderful trio, triumvirate, I want to call it. (laughs) <laughs> about Carnivale. So for, I don't assume anything with my listeners. So let's introduce the listeners to, to Carnival. And there's a mention of Carnivale as well. So let's start with Carnivale and what it means.
1: Well, in the Caribbean, um, the Carnival Festival happens before Lent. And Lent is a time where people, um, you know, give things up. And, and one of the things that the root word Carnivalic comes from is um, about not eating meat. However, in the history of Carnival, and even, even now today in Toronto, there's a heavy focus on emancipation and and I think that's what's really important about um, you know sharing this information even in the film um, with people who may have been on the periphery before but are knowing more about carnivals and hearing about Miami and Trinidad and London and all this and I think it's really important to um, reflect on the root word like you're saying carnivale but also about emancipation and the and the freedom of people and um, slaves after emancipation Um mm-hmm
0: mm mm-hmm. uh, the fact the that they were... I think that
1: part, yeah, the reason why I think that's just so important is I think it really pulls us back from the sort of party aspect of the festival and, you know, gets us focused on the reason why mm-hmm. um, it's so important to Caribbean people, to Black folk um, here in Canada and throughout the world.
0: Right, because it came out of the fact that... Um, the slave the enslaved Africans um, were not allowed to you know participate in the master's masquerade that was for the white people so they had their own they developed their own where they made fun of the you know the the Europeans or wherever they were uh, centered in their enslavement and you know made it something of their own it made it their own so that's something that you know we as black people can say yes this is ours we made this
1: exactly and part of the costuming aspects that sometimes people don't realize is like covering your body you know in chocolate or oil or paints um or just mask or, or lots of feathers or whatever it is was one way to disguise um, yourself so that you sort of didn't get in trouble. And I, I've always mm. thought that, that was like a really fun and dangerous way to look at things. Like how can we be out in the streets and be free, but also, you know, protect ourselves and, um, and poke fun. Poke yeah. fun at, you know, the people who, who think that, you know, we're weak or, you know, who have thought they were stronger um, than us all along. So so yeah, like the roots of the festival um, really have some really deep, deep, deep meaning for Black people. And I think that even just in, in my years doing Carnival, that's, you know, my understanding of it has deepened, but also putting that at the forefront has made my reasons to make a costume or like to compete as queen so much more important, so much more, um, you know, special to me. But also, you know, with with having a child now, the importance of sharing of sharing this tradition and and just, you know, the reminder of what our people went through and um, the challenges that we still face here in Canada and, and throughout the world. Can
0: we just take a moment to talk about this boss woman, your mother, Luanne, Sorry. you know, who um, said, why isn't there a carnival for the kiddies? How are we going to continue this tradition?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know. I, I hear this a lot especially in our community that there's so many strong black women and and yes that is so true and i'm so i'm so proud of my mom and all the work that she's done but i think like the main thing that you know was really spectacular for me was sort of just her ability to um introduce us to to carnival and her dedication to the to costume making and how that's grown over the years and some people may or may not agree with me like in, in the mass culture costume making and designing is is a rather um, for lack of a better word Donna i would say it's more you know there's some masculine energy in there <laughs> and having a woman come forward and say hey I know how to design this maybe you know I know um what the physics, is needed here. I know what's needed here and there. Um, yeah, you know, that's what I saw my mom do. That's what I saw my mom do, and I was just like, "Yeah, you go," you know. And and that's sort of given me the strength to sort of go forward and and do things myself. But I think it's also like what I love about um, the work that I've done with my mom over the years is just seeing her be creative and seeing her express herself, and um, that's kind of something that can be really challenging um, for people, for women, for um you know just in life like sometimes we don't have the space to do that we're not invited to spaces to to be open and just you know sort of create and um we don't have you know sometimes you just don't have the time being moms and Mm -hmm. that was something that I really um enjoyed experiencing with her and I'm and I'm looking forward to you know continuing that in my own life but yeah yeah
0: especially i mean you have a son she did the kitty carnival to get the children carrying on that tradition um this is your family's tradition your your sister Mishka as well uh tell the listeners about uh the fabulous Mishka
1: yeah Mishka <laughs> i like to say fabulous cuz she is fabulous <laughs> she's you know she's she's my older sister um and competed Many, you know, years before I did, especially in the junior carnival and, and always had the guts and and energy to go up there and do it all on her own and um, she's quite an emotional being and um, a fun loving being and. Um, what's really kind of cool about where her journey has gone is, um, this year she's actually the festival manager for the carnival. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so she's been, she's been, um, busy working with the festival in a different kind of way, expanding herself in a different, um, you know, in different aspects of, of, you know, the, the festival here. But she's also just like my sister, my big yes. sister, my you know, my protector, yeah. my guide, and, and very much of a support person.
0: For me. Oh my goodness, is she ever big sister protector? <laughs>
1: I know. <laughs> so she I is. wanted <laughs> I
0: want to take this time now to introduce the man who um is the writer, producer, director of Becoming a Queen audience. Please welcome Chris Strikes to the interview.
4: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Donna. It's great being here.
0: Chris, what made you want to make this this feature-length documentary about Toronto Carnival?
4: Yeah, you know, I I really felt that there was, um, that something like this was missing and that something like this um, didn't really exist. And I was inspired, I was first inspired to to tell this story after um, I went to Joella's mother's house for the first time and I just saw how amazing the house looked decorated with carnival photos of Joella um, all over the walls and costume pieces uh, headpieces um, in the living room there or the dining room and um, you know I, I felt that that was a microcosm for, for many Caribbean homes for for people who have um, participated in carnival year over year mm-hmm. and. It, it it was just um, I was just really inspired by that, and I had to ask Joella if anybody had told her story. And um, outside of a few news interviews, she'd said like you know no one's really told her story in a in a long format. So um, you know af- after after uh, I I first jokingly said like you know this year you're going for nine, which means next year you would be going for ten. This was back in 2017. And we should really do a documentary on you. And and so at first it was it was joking and Joella wasn't really open to it. But then after she won her ninth win, and, and I was like, you know, this is this is a really amazing opportunity. And I think we really should uh, tell your story because there's just so much here that I think even though like right now you may not feel that it's special, I think people are gonna feel like your story is special. And so after meeting a couple of times and doing some pre-interviews, jo- Joella like sort of just laid out her story for me and and her involvement in Carnival. And, and from there, I decided um, that I'm going to make this film. And there was no looking back after that.
0: I'm glad you made the documentary because when I started watching it, I saw Joella's face and I'm like, I know her from Share. She's been <laughs> on the cover, but I didn't know her story. I didn't know her story. I'd seen her, you know, Um, launching the festival on City TV or CP24, one of those channels. And I'm like, I know her, but, you know, (laughs) I know her face. I didn't know her story, her journey. And um, Joella, one of the things that um, I found refreshing is the fact that you're not from Trinidad, as probably most people expect. Um, Your background is Vincentian. Um, your, your mother is from St. Vincent and the Grenadines and it's being represented in this film. How do you feel about that?
1: (laughs) Honestly, Donna, I was like going to mention, I was like, should I tell her I'm Vincentian Because there is always an assumption that I'm Trinidadian. And like, and that's one of the things that I just, I love about Toronto Carnival is just like, you know, there are other, (laughs) there are other islands and there are other people who are are very steeped in the, in, you know, the culture of, of mass and carnival. And, um, I think for many, many years, people just thought I was Trinidadian and they thought Kenny was Trinidadian and they thought my mom was Trinidadian and we're not, we're Vincentian. Um, and so mass in St. Vincent is, um, you know, in 2019, I was able to finally get down there and, and play and, I have to tell you, Donna, I had a, I had an amazing time. Chris was there too, but I had an amazing time. I didn't want to go home. And um, it's, it's, it's so full and it's so vibrant and, um, you know, it's just as um, competitive as anywhere else in, or any other island that's, Mm -hmm. you know, playing mass. But I think one of the special things about um, Vincentian culture here is that when, you know, when my parents first came up, there wasn't a big Vincentian community at all and Kenny started his band Toronto Caribbean Connection and that band was mainly Vincentian um, people. So people who would come to sign up for the band, it was always in the smaller band category. It wasn't one of the big bands like Louis Seltina or like what we have now, like Carnival Nations or Jamal McGuire. It was nothing like that. It was smaller. And so and mainly all the Vincy people would flock to that band. And that's really heavily created that family aspect because somebody would come and mom would know them she grew mm-hmm. up with them or she would know their sibling or went to sc- school with their sister or whatever it was so um growing up in a band like that you you really you really enjoy that sort of like it's like cousins all around the place and and friendships and and people from back home and for me that sort of you know that deepened my relationship with my culture really you know I found it was really it's really how he- it was a really healthy environment that's how I could describe it. Um, but also, yeah, like, you know, nowadays I go, I, I had this on the weekend. Like I was at the junior King and queen and someone's like, she's training. And I was like, no, I'm Vincentian. I hope, <laughs> exactly. I hope you know, I yeah. hope it doesn't matter. And like, and that's the one thing that I just want to say, Donna, I'm so excited about like the fact that there's different people from all, you know, all over the islands. And and this year they've announced that there's the first um, Jamaican run band in in the carnival this year and I'm like totally that's Mm -hmm. how it should be it's beautiful people are making costumes and like we all should be celebrating one another so
0: yeah I think people automatically assume you're Trinidadian um, because of how big carnival is in in Trinidad and they don't think of the other islands that also have it so I think that's that's why that happens to you Chris one of the things that struck me is the size of the costumes. Earlier, I had mentioned to Joella that I'm, I'm anti, I'm an anti stage of life. And I remember Carabana down on university, where the costumes would come out into the, into the audience. What was your impression when you first saw one of Joella's costumes?
4: I mean, I was really blown away. And at that 2017 King and Queen, because that was the first time I, I had known Joella or just any competitor for that matter. Um, I, uh, I said to her after the show, I was like, wow, that was really amazing. That was like, you're carrying around this big sale. <laughs> like, yeah. like, like that's all. And, and in 2017, um, it was really windy that night, um, as well too. So it was really windy and you you could kind of see that a little bit in the footage from that night because some of the confetti you can really see it blowing around mm-hmm. in the wind and i was just really impressed by like how you know uh, um massive the costumes were magnificent and just the ability to move with the costumes in such blustery conditions so i, I was really wowed by it and, and that's why like you know after that time it went from just, hey, maybe we should do this to no, we we need to do this.
0: And, you know, Joella, in the film, they they show you lifting weights because, my God, you're tiny. And <laughs> these costumes, mm. I don't even know how many feet tall they are and how wide they are. But you have to you have to you're strapped in carrying that, you know, creating yeah. emotion.
1: I think there it's like a, it's a bit of point of contention. Um The first time I went to the King and Queen, I was like a preteen and it was at Birchmount Stadium. Mm -hmm. So you can imagine, um, I don't know if any, I'm sure some of the viewers know there, you know, did, did races there when they were in high school or something, but the costumes weren't very big. And, um, and it's something that I've always, um, sort of grappled with. I've, I've always really, um, I've had a desire in my life to like do a costume without wheels and stuff like that. But I find it really um, exciting to see things transform, but also to push limits as an artist. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I could go bigger, I would just go bigger. I would just make the biggest thing I could <laughs> because I love, I just love just how elaborate and how, you know, far and wide it can reach and how spectacular I'm very, I'm like, I get excited about that. Um, but I don't think costumes have to be big to win. I've had both. I've had big costumes and I've had smaller costumes and I've had people, um, comment on costumes that were very large for my size. And I've had Mm -hmm. people, um, you know, not be happy that I won with a smaller costume. And so it's so it's just opinions, right. Ultimately in the end, and everybody has, you know, their ideas of what makes a good costume. Um, but I tried my best on it to just focus on the performance because um, you know, I trust Kenny's vision and what he's designed. And some years we go up 15 feet, some years you go up 12, some years we go up 20. I've had ones where we went up 25. So it's it's just a choice that year where, you know, in his mind he's he's thinking, okay, it has to be this or it's gotta be this, or we don't need to do all that. You know what I mean? And um, and I I would I I truly do feel that I've won with smaller and bigger and so I don't think it has to be these huge huge things and I and I I hope people are inspired um even by this conversation to know that um you should wear whatever you want to wear that you feel comfortable wearing because ultimately it is about your performance and it's about your portrayal of the theme that you're um you know dancing that year and so but isn't it crazy how big they are and how elaborate and how much time we spend on them?
0: (laughs) Yes. Uh, Chris, I was going to ask you, first of all, introduce Kenny and tell me about the process of following him in the documentary.
4: So Kenny is Joella's costume designer and has been Joella's costume designer since day one. Um, And uh, the The process of following him was really interesting because at first he, he was very skeptical about me. And I think about the process as well, too. And then, um, you know, slowly over time, he warmed up and, and it, it was just really um, fun and entertaining to follow Kenny as well, too, because his commentary, like, you know, he, he, he's very outspoken and he doesn't hold things back. So um, his commentary about certain things was, was really funny and really hilarious. And you know, going into it because I hadn't known Kenny beforehand, so going into it, I didn't know that Kenny would be such a prominent character. But very quickly in the process, I was like, "Oh no, Kenny is going to be a very prominent character um, in this story because of just his involvement in um, Joella's costume making and and the designs and and learning that." You know, a lot of the designs and artistic—I um, guess the the artistic uh, presentation before the portrayal, before the performance—a lot of it is from his uh, mind. So, uh, yeah, Ken, Kenny. Kenny was really enjoyable to follow, but he wasn't—he uh, he wasn't super open at first.
0: I can imagine because that's that—you know—that's an intimate experience, as Joella mentioned. You know, it's it's like it's like family, and here you are. You know, not knowing anything and filming, and then I can imagine Kenny going, "What does this boy want?" It's like-
4: <laughs> <laughs> pretty much, <laughs> pretty much.
0: Yeah, but um, the whole w- watching the welders work, watching the glue gun, and you know, coming up with the theme—you um, did a good job of, of documenting that, and you did a good job of working uh, with your editor to To put this film together, because this journey um, is one that it was unexpected uh, for me.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, I, I worked with um, Sonia Tabogo Gading, my my story editor. I, I I did edit the film, but working with Sonia as my story editor was was really, really vital. Like she helped me to shape the story because there was just so many really great elements, and there was parts where I was just getting stuck of like what to include and and what not to include but also where to order things and what to order uh, like what order to put things in Mm -hmm. and at first I at first I was really sort of mentally handcuffed by like you know things should happen in order and you know with Sonia's experience in documentary as a documentary editor and a story editor she really gave me the confidence and almost the permission to be like no you don't have to tell everything in exact chronological order like Think about the emotional arcs before the like exact chronological order, and uh, so that that reassurance just sort of freed up my mind and allowed me to make more, um, I guess, more intentional decisions to think about uh, like emotion first and what best serves like driving the narrative forward in the in the film.
0: Joella, over to you. I found it astounding that there was no funding. Um, There's no arts funding for Carnival, and um, that was a bone of contention for me in the fact that it's not seen as as art, and you mention that in the documentary as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, there's funding for the festival in whole and and on whole, and the, I I mean it's a nonprofit organization, so there you know the people who um, run the festival, with my sister being one of them, are you know they're writing grants and looking for sponsorship constantly. Um, it's very taxing um, um work to get it up and running. But for the people who make the costumes, no. And so um, the sad thing about that is that it can limit the people who are able to participate. Um, yes. I'm, I'm not a very wealthy person. Um, Kenny and my mom sort of, we do all the labor. That's why I make, that's why I've decided to work on my caution because I couldn't imagine asking you know hiring someone and say can you just do this on volunteer because it's hours and hours of work but if I'm doing it for myself I feel fine <laughs> mm-hmm. um and the hot glue and, gun and a hot glue gun um <laughs> just to share the people who come in the top four are the only people who um win prize money it's not a lot of prize money I know um and so you know if you happen to not have a great um you know placement that year you're sort of stuck with whatever bills you have that's just it so there is a sort of um and even in the Caribbean I I can't speak in the Caribbean because I've never um gone there specifically to you know be start up, up a costume per se but um it can create sort of um an elitism and 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 that's quite common. I can speak for St. Vincent. It's like you know, some bands their their costume prices are are, are quite high up there, and only certain people can afford to be in and have that type of experience, mm-hmm. right? So, it is limiting, and I um that's disappointing, and it's um it's really. We have to band together in some way to make these these big major changes. And with big major changes like that, the festival would really expand. A lot more people would be able to compete as queens.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um which would yeah, be it would, to see. it would be fantastic.
0: Yeah, so, it would have a diverse participation and people from all um economic levels participating. That would be fantastic. Um yeah, you
1: get you get a lot of, you know, in Trinidad, um, every round that you compete in because they have three of the rounds but every round you get prize money so the first round has many 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 con- contestants because um a lot of people will get some money out of that and then go to the next one and, and these are you know the next year they probably put that money back into the costume and sort of that's what we've done it's like you know with the winnings that I have received over the years I just recycled that back into my next costume mm-hmm. and um that's what sort of made it possible for me
0: Chris, you captured a wonderful moment with Joella, you know, going for her 10th win. And I just saw such freedom and joy in her movements. Um, it was wonderful. Uh, did you feel that as well when you were on site uh, filming her? Absolutely.
4: Um, you know, right when she, uh, when Joella finishes her, her last performance, you know, there's a beautiful moment between herself and her mother, and and also also Mishka as well too, and you know it 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 almost made me like have some tears behind the camera as mm-hmm. I was filming it because it was just such a beautiful moment, and I was like, yes, this is exactly what I needed, and yeah, it was, it was yeah. just yeah, no, it was just such a beautiful moment, and um, and not only that, but it, just even some of the smaller moments, like some of the banter between Joella and Mishka. And moments where um, Joella was asking Luann, uh, her mother, for some advice, like, you know, what do you think about this? Or I, I'm not sure about this. I, like, you know, I, I don't know if this looks good. And, you know, so th- those moments for me, just seeing those the, the, those little moments there um, unfolding, those I, I felt how special those moments were in the moment of filming them.
0: Mm-hmm. But Joella, you were radiant in that uh Last uh because um, you said the tenth was going to be your last, and boy, you were radiant um in that. And Chris, thank you so much for making this feature length film. And Joella, thank you so much for sharing your your journey and and your purpose, you know, in educating people about carnival and how important it is um to us Caribbean people and for those who are watching from the outside. Thank you.
1: Uh, thank you, Donna. I'm so, I hope to see you at the festival this year. And <laughs> um, yes, I, I think you got the right words there that, you know, we really are sharing a story um, about our, our Caribbean culture and our Caribbean heritage. And I really want um, to see our people continue to rise up in the story. And um, I hope they see themselves in, in my joy for Carnival.
0: Thank you so much.
4: Yeah, and thank you for allowing us to be on this platform. This is this is really amazing, and 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 for your love for the film, it's it's really beautiful and it's really appreciated and it's felt as well too. So yeah. thank you so much, Donna.
0: You're very very welcome. I'm sure that after my discussion with Joella and Chris, that you must have some questions of your own that you want answered. Well, the opportunity will come about on July 19th when Becoming a Queen makes its debut on Video On Demand. So look for it on a streaming platform after the break. I'll have some Cuban music for you. And as a reminder, this is Donna G. You're listening to CIUT 89.5 FM.
2: CIUT 89.5, the sound of your city. Stream
0: CIUT at www.ciut.fm. Coming up, I've got four in a row for you. Two by Juana Bacalao and two by Merceditas Valdez. The first two tracks by Juana is Juana Bacalao and Espiritu Burlon. After that, you'll hear from Merceditas Valdez with Elube Chango, and then Quítate el Chaquitón. <laughs> so Só... Thank you so much for tuning in to The More, The Merrier. As usual, you can find my socials at www.ciut.fm. Click on The More, The Merrier, and all my links are there. Thanks again to my guests, Joella Crichton and Chris Strikes from the documentary, Becoming a Queen, which will be available on video on demand throughout North America. On July 19th leaving you now with something by Jane Burnett in keeping with the Cuban music and this is Pensando en Jane see you next week bye bye <music>